Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the SAP, the Sex Actually podcast. As always, it's your boy Dave Neal with Tasha Courtney. Hello. Hey, Tasha. How are you today? Pretty darn good. So good to see you. This is our ninth <laughs> take at the intro. This is uh, this is actually, uh, this is labeled as number 151, which is interesting because 151 is the first type of alcohol I ever tried. Did you know that? Bacardi 151. That I didn't drink for two years after that because my buddy thought we would try Bacardi. It's like, oh, you couldn't have a Miller High Life as your first? sip of alcohol it had to be flaming rum (laughs) (laughs) it's like pretty much gasoline gasoline yeah i tasted it and burnt all of my all the way down yeah all the way it didn't even make it It just like kind of like yeah i do that (laughs) that that stuff it's flammable it's completely flammable yeah you could they could make a molotov cocktail with that (laughs) anyway it's not about that today um i wanted to talk about our anniversary of the podcast it's coming up in a few weeks november 7 2013 was the first episode of the sap it used to be called you up back in the day now it's called the sap or sex actually podcast and uh, that's coming on six years of doing this podcast with you fine people it's a long fucking time and some people actually have the gumption the can with all to go all the way back to the early episodes and listen in to the early i mean the early episodes you were you were just a friend and we weren't even fucking we weren't dating none of that shit was happening yet and then and i we we had mentioned in a previous take uh which was deleted because i said something wrong as i do once in a while uh i never we never delete the actual episodes but the intros can be a place where we want to just get the shit right yeah just do a good job i end up insulting people i talk i I overshare all these things but anyway (laughs) i thought it would be amazing if there was an app where you could log in all of the dates of your your anniversaries with your significant other the first time you, you fucked the first time you defined the relationship the first fight the first time she dumped you the first time she brought you back you know all the different first would be nice that way you can be like hey honey it's march 7th this is the first time I'm fucked and then you do some like fun thing where you go get cheap wine and watch uh jersey shore or whatever it was that led to the first shebang you know what i mean i don't I'm know pretty what- sure you've said the f word 60 times in this intro already all right well i'm just weeding out the old ladies who don't like to swear words we know my mother actually you're too crass you need to talk about the bible uh they fucked in the bible all right um but anyway didn't they yes people fucked in the bible they were getting it you don't listen you didn't read deuteronomy they're banging in deuteronomy deuteronomy anyway we lost half of you guys this episode's a good one this is a good one what are you looking at me for? You like you 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 weren't sure. I want to start this intro over. No, this is what they come for. Cum, they come for this. They <laughs> come, they literally this induces orgasms. So, uh, three months ago. Are you sure you don't yeah, want to start no, this? No, no, I'm sticking this landing real hard. Oh, this uh, is just wobbly. Like, <laughs> Several months ago, we were recommended a book called The Perfection Detox. I don't want to um, be redundant here because I'm going to mention it uh, on the episode itself. But we read the book and we were like, this is fucking amazing. Episode 344, we reviewed the uh, how to stop ruminating negativity. Really good shit. The author, Petra Colbert, was on top. She knew exactly who she was talking to when she wrote this book. It was written for us. And I know for a lot of our friends that have read it, it is a great book. Anyway, we were able to link up with uh, Petra. She came over to our pad and uh, the uh, the world famous SAP Studios in the heart of Hollywood, California, and we were able to have an amazing chat with Petra all about the different ways to kind of get over the need for perfection in life. I mean, with social media, with this obsessive obsessiveness that we have to fucking auto tune our bellies after we take a photo, everything is scrutinized to perfection, and we're just not meant to be perfect. We're supposed to be the best versions of ourselves, right? But that doesn't mean we're perfect. Nobody's perfect, and 
and, and part of our chat is to just cure ourselves on a daily basis from that need of perfection. And I, th- I thought our chat with her was amazing. I can't wait to re-listen to it myself, to be honest with you. But anyway, any, what were any huge takeaways from that chat or just a reinforcement to just like go easy on yourself? I'm just, I got to pick the book back up and finish where I left off. Yeah. And keep reading. I mean, yeah. it's just like, well, it's an everyday. It's a, it's something that you got to work on every day. Cause it's not easy to fix what's like been ingrained in us from the get go. Yeah. We're not some like communist China where we got to be like 12 year olds who are experts at gymnastics. It's like, it's like we live in a place where you're going to fail. You're going to try new things and fail. But because the world is so like magnifying glass over each one of us with our social media, we're afraid to take risks. I think we're starting to be afraid to fail. And part of uh, succeeding is like failing upwards, you know, and that's one of the things that hopefully, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, that's the only way you challenge yourself to become bigger and better and greater is putting your toe outside the box. Put your toe outside the box. And anyway, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, rate, review. And if you want extra content, we have over 40 episodes on the Patreon. It's a private uh, membership-only community, patreon.com slash the sap, patreon.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. That's where I do all of my solo episodes. Every Friday, I have new content up. We we record the live stand-up mimosa shows. It's a fucking blast. If you you are a listener to the podcast, you already know this because we wanted to give our membership community the... uh, uh, first uh, first right of info, but um, we've got some news to share with everyone here today. We got engaged. <laughs> you like that? You like? Yeah. I don't know if I can play this music. Are we going to get booted off iTunes? What a great way to get booted. <laughs> we started this podcast. We were friends. We went out on a limb. We banged on a limb. We went out on a limb, and uh, we've had our ups and our downs, and hopefully more ups than downs. But I've never been so happy to call you my fiance and share in our communication issues and the, our whodunits and our kind of like ugliness and all the good. And I think a lot of people who listen are going to be rooting for us as we kind of figure out the next steps. And what do you have to say? Did it feel... <laughs> How does it feel? How does it feel land, land, landing uh, one of the top hundred comedy interviewer uh, podcast hosts? Hey, you landed me one of the top hundred comedy interviewer podcast hosts. You so. damn right, I did. We uh, we we hitched up over there in Thailand, got engaged in Southeast Asia. Been excited to tell all of our friends and family in person before we shared it with the internet and we shared it with the podcast. But um, yeah, we got we'll we'll have a lot of uh, discussions moving forward about the plans for life, but. Um, it feels good to start introducing uh, my significant other as my fiance, right? Yeah. And anyway, so we actually told Petra right before the episode, but we didn't mention it on the episode just because uh, we didn't know when we were going to make the announcement, but we've been sitting on it for too long. We're super excited to tell everybody. Boone's super happy. We got a happy basset hound. He's happy to link this family up, and um, it's been a long time coming, but um, better late than never, and I'm so excited. Are we going to share our engagement story? Do you want to do it right now? No, but yeah. on a future episode. I tell you what, here's, let's do it. Let's do it this way. Let's do it on the Patreon first. Okay. And then we'll share it with us, uh, the, the rest of our, our commoners, our normal listeners. Oh, yeah, we, no, don't be a jerk. I love you guys. We'll, we'll stick around and um, in, the, in, the, in the coming weeks, we'll be sharing all the, you know, how everything went down. I already started talking about it on the, on the solo episodes just because it's been on my mind. I've been talking about the pressures of getting down on a knee. I, I'll, I'll tease you guys with this. My hand was bleeding. I had a bloody hand. It was 
was a hot and humid 7 a.m. sunrise, but um, I proposed and she said yes, and I couldn't be happier. So without further ado, enjoy this episode with Petra Kolber. As always, I'm Dave Neal and my fiance is Tasha Courtney, everybody. Everybody, welcome to the SAP. It's your boy Dave Neal with Tasha Cordy and Hello. Petra Kolber. How are you? I'm so good. It's so great to be here. Welcome. We're so happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, this is. Uh, I'm probably gonna explain uh, how we got you here um, on the intro, but I'll do it. I'll do it right now. We uh, we found your book from a friend. This yeah, uh, who recommended it? Uh, just a friend of a friend. But whenever someone recommends a book, I feel like you're fucking up in life. <laughs> when someone's like, you got to read this. And, th- and it was your book, The Perfection Detox. Yeah. So I'm the answer to the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. So we started reading it in Palm Springs, 4th of July weekend. And I, I thought Tasha was going to cry. I can tell when she's about to cry. It really resonated with her. Yeah, I normally I have a really hard time with self-help books. I'm more of like a fiction kind of girl. <laughs> um, but as I was reading it, you know, I don't... I The idea of a perfectionist, maybe when I was younger, maybe when I was in school, that would have resonated a little more with me. But now that I'm older, I feel like less of a perfectionist. I just kind of like wing it. I just go through life winging it, right? And so the idea that I was still a perfectionist didn't really resonate but as I started reading and saw some of the uh, sort of deeper implications of being a perfectionist I was like oh my god this is me how did you learn that you needed to write this book how did that come about well I think I think they say you know you teach what you need to learn so like yourself I didn't necessarily think with the word perfection I just suddenly realized I was trying to show up in a certain way that wasn't making me happy. And it was really the idea that, because I was a fitness expert, I put that in air quotes, but that word of being an expert at anything started to make me feel really uncomfortable because of not to go... Like imposter syndrome. Oh, absolutely. And I didn't know at the time that everyone feels that way, especially if you really care about something. Yeah. You know, if you really care, you want to give your best work. And none of us can do that all of the time. But I thought I was the only one. And being in this expert um, landscape, you don't talk about the things you don't think you're good at, right? Because then it makes you, you know, then it's just more proof that, see, told you you didn't know everything. Why should you, why are you up on the sketch, you know, on the stage? So it's like a, fi- it's like a fixed mindset then. Ab- you, oh, nice. Yeah. Carol Dweck, the whole fixed yeah. mindset. Absolutely. You mentioned that in a chapter and I was like, we, we've been talking about that before we even knew of your book about ah. the, about the, uh, that, that kind of rigid mindset where you, you're afraid to fail. So you just know what you know. Right. And, I, you know, I went to a, a, a thing this morning. I think what's really interesting is none of this is about changing who we are. It's about uncovering who we forgot we were. You know, before all the BS of social media and the stories we tell ourselves and the stories someone told us about ourselves. Yeah, because kids don't have that sense of shame. They don't feel that pressure, that expectation of who they're supposed to be. They just 
are who they are. Yeah. Right. Until someone says, oh, why are you doing that? Or you should have done it this way. Or, and so yeah. that, that one second, that person completely forgot by the time they leave the room that they even said that. And you forget, but subconsciously something inside you took that on their false idea or that false comment is it was true. And you carried that with you. And so to answer your question, Dave, what really made me resonate, people that have been asked me for a long time to write a book about fitness. I was like, oh, I cannot write one more diet book or how to get a six pack or, you know, there's way better books out there. And I was doing a keynote around fitness. It's probably like 10 steps to be a perfect fitness presenter or something. <laughs> and I casually mentioned this moment where I had been really anxious about being perfect. And I felt all the room, well, not all of it, but everyone suddenly got really quiet because I, Petra Colbert had said she was anxious, not my persona. I'm happy and perky and British and da, da, da. But at the end of that talk, sometimes pe- like two, three people will come up and say, oh, I loved what you said. There was a line around the room, like waiting to say, you suffer from anxiety too, from this idea that you need to be perfect. And that's when I said, this might be a book worth writing about. Isn't that yeah. interesting how... Sometimes it's it's the other it's 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 the other people that kind of show you what it is you need to do. They're like, yeah, I resonate with that, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, that wasn't even what I, I was here to talk about, or uh, you know. Yeah, and I think you know that's why I hear so much in the entrepreneurial world. It's you you're going to teach what your I hate this so overused. I'm sorry to say on your podcast, but you you teach your pain kind of, and so when you can resonate with something that really helped you you're a couple of steps ahead of everybody not so far ahead that you've forgotten what it felt like to feel like an imposter but you're you've got the work you've done the work to help other people through you have to teach it because it's a disservice for you not to do so yeah it's part i mean the if you think about it that's one of your lessons learned you're meant to share that hopefully someone else can avoid doing it the hard way because you already did it once yeah that's i say like coming to see you youngsters today i was like well i can give them the cliff notes <laughs> so they don't have to wait to get to my age to figure this crap out you know because you're living your best life and i think the the sad thing is for so many hopefully for some of you listening you're in your 20s and your 30s these are your best freaking years and we spend so much of those years worrying riddled with anxiety oh my god and it's you know anxiety (laughs) is up now more than anxiety is at an all-time high depression is actually coming down a little bit especially in teenagers anxiety has never been higher we're just photoshopping our lives we're we're just hyper editing everything we present to people look and i teach this stuff and i still struggle with putting a real picture up i i use like the Paris, you know, Paris, whatever. Yeah. The Filters. Filters, yeah. <laughs> but I, my, one of my favorite, and it's in the book, one of my favorite sayings is by uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick. The reason we're all struggling with insecurity is because we're comparing our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and even though our, you know, our heads knows, ah, this has been photoshopped and I love that filter and they look, you know, our heart still questions, well, they look so pretty, they have it figured out, they're living the dream life. Really, who am I to be sharing my struggles with the world? Who am I to be? So there's the whole imposter syndrome. So it's almost like we need to start comparing ourselves to other people's rough drafts. <laughs> Not there. Because, you know, like with, with stand-up comedy, it used before YouTube, it used to be you would see Chris Rock doing a special in an arena in front of 30,000 people. Mm. And you go, I can't do that. Mm. And then now you can see young comics bombing and you can go, oh, I can do that. So, so there's more of a gateway to entry to like try creative things when you see other people fail. But stand-up comedy is one of the only art forms that people show off their failures. Do you know what I mean? 
most people don't aren't airing out their their shitty screenplay or their bad yeah. drawing or what or you know what I mean. So so like we have we we're we're showing kind of like our mediocre growth and other people and and it's like not perfect, but it's like okay, I can do that versus like Dane Cook's you know. I do think that Instagram is becoming more honest, though. I've noticed it as a trend that more and more people that I follow, influencers, fashion bloggers, travel bloggers, they're writing long posts and they're saying, I almost didn't post this photo. Uh, We waited all day for the sun to be perfect. It never came out. It was cloudy. And I was so disappointed because I had seen another influencer shoot here and her photos were beautiful. And I thought that my photos couldn't compare. And I finally just decided, screw it. I'm going to post this photo. You know, people are writing long posts like that or body image issues and they're sharing their insecurities and I think that especially for the young kids I know we're talking about like for the younger generation that their anxiety is at an all-time high I well it's it's two things yes of course their anxiety is at an all-time high because pressure to be to succeed is at an all-time high and I feel like that probably young kids are intuitive they they don't they realize that we don't necessarily have a whole lot of support in this country in this modern time for young people they're just kind of like starting from like below zero you know um but i do find that they are looking for authenticity um in their online personas and they're more willing to share ugly photos and to not take it so seriously and they don't want to see like an overly perfect perfected photoshopped version of somebody they want to see an honest version of somebody yeah i think it's definitely tipping it's like i think it's swung all the way this way so it's kind of finding that balance so we all love to have aspirational we all love to look at things that are travel and it's pretty and beautiful but it has to be relatable so i think you are right but i'm just curious as to though we're seeing it on social media more like the authentic you know, the good and the bad, Mm -hmm. you know, the struggle to get that perfect picture. I just still wonder, like, when we're offline, how we show up. Because I struggle with this still. You know, I can still show up showing my flaws and saying my doubts on social media. But even when I get off, it doesn't mean that when I click off Instagram or Facebook, my my worries disappear yeah it doesn't mean that you necessarily have that mindset all the time because i think we're human beings right it's like we have good days and not so good days hits and misses but what i what i love is like your book starts off with a rumination and we didn't even get past that first chapter before we decided to do an hour conversation (laughs) on it and i'm and i was almost embarrassed because that you said you listened because we were you know we're pretty crude and crass and irreverent and you know we're like oh this 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 author and, and public speaker gets to hear us just you know basically being the relationship <laughs> version of fart jokes <laughs> no can i just say though i thought you did i really love what you did because i felt it was like super authentic it was a great conversation that you guys were having and it you, i like these guys really read the chapter so i loved every second we, we get we dive in deep when we do car cast i mean we're in the car with these microphones right we're, How, we did were that driving? We, I, I was i was driving eyes on the road i was driving and she was had this in her lap and you know and that's how good the microphones are and we had our starbucks and we, we, we did the whole episode driving back from palm springs and yeah end, we did we ended the, and i it, forgot that this was our car cast we ended the episode by putting the car in park right out here literally where my car is parked right now the same spot we pulled up and we sat there and then we did another 15 but I mean, minutes i'm getting on a tangent i'm going forward i'm getting all excited you can yell no one's listening you know what i mean you, it's, you're like in this like incubator and then all of a sudden the we car look. is such a safe space you guys co- are quite <laughs> talented i mean i thought you were beautiful and talented anyway, but you can do this in a car too. <laughs> yeah you want to go for a ride we'll go right now we'll just keep it going plug unplug yeah the but ac it, is better but, in the but car. it was such a great way to really dive into before you before you 
can get to the solutions, know what you're ruminating on, know what like you're well, obsessive what over. Are. And we know, I mean, I, I obsess over some things that just don't matter. And we think about it over and over and over and it's not providing any solutions. Yeah. I think because no one teaches us how to do that, right? So there's this negativity bias. Our brain is the natural default. Is And if you've listened to you know, Carol Dweck's work, it's the brain to survive, it's going to focus on what's not going well. Yeah. And because that's become such a comfortable part of who we are, we just don't notice it. It's like wearing your favorite T-shirt, your favorite pair of jeans. You just don't notice it. And it's not until someone goes, um, gives you that idea of like, oh, this is how I'm feeling. You maybe saw it through the written word or a YouTube video. Oh, I resonate with that. And then they go, well, and here's how you get over it. Because that was why I wrote the book. Because so many people say, oh, just kick perfectionism to the curb. You know, don't worry about it. But no one was telling us how, how to do it. Yeah. And telling recovering perfectionists, get over perfection. I'm like, well, how do I do that perfectly? You make you it know? sound so simple. Yeah, I'm already feeling <laughs> worse about myself because I don't know how to do it. And it's almost like acknowledging that you're always going to jump. You're always going to have the you're not going to change who you are, right? So like, I'm going to get obsessive over things. I just need to stop it when I know it's about, when it's happening. You know what I mean? Like stopping early on and going, okay, stop thinking about that. Like, let's flip that into a positive. You're saying the negative. Give it a replacement thought. Like, it's like, yeah, like you're saying the negative version of what you want to say. Like, like, you know, I'll be like, I get obsessive over not getting enough stage time. Every comic does that, especially in LA because we're all competing. Yeah. There's 10,000 of us competing for like six comedy clubs, right? So we get obsessive. So we were on a hike once and I was visually like using my fingers to count. I was like, and she goes, what are you doing? And she was like, you don't need to know. <laughs> and she goes, no, tell me what you're thinking of. I was like, I'm counting like the different st- sets I'm doing this week. So, and I was like, she's like, what the fuck? We're on a hike. And I was like, yeah, I didn't mean to. That's just what I was like. I was my default thing was like thinking of what I haven't done, not like where I am, not, not in the present. Because that's like the very simple whittled down thing that we can think of. Like we, you know, we it's a unit price. Boom. You got to get up 10 times a week. Like we have these kind of goals we set in our communities that are just so crazy if you don't reach them especially it's easy when you're like a single dude just kind of out there sleeping on a couch living with nine roommates but when you're trying to balance a relationship and all these other things you can become obsessive over what's like lacking what's falling behind i think that's so interesting is the idea but you have to be driven there's no way if you're a comic in la or doing anything that you want to do a model or whatever you have to be driven because there's just so much talent out there but when so many hard-working people you are going to be out talented and outworked no for sure right so you have to give your 110 percent so where does that line stop and the obsession and the negative come in and so i think it's like where does the drive where does the drive overstep its boundaries yeah well the difference between like an unhealthy sort of obsession right and your smart goals smart goals is is changing my life right no you're both asking the same you're both kind of paraphrasing the questions that i wrote down so i just want to write i wrote down how do you how do you differentiate between ruminating versus using failure as a motivation because i'm big at like using like kind of like kicking my own ass and i'm big at using shame to even get like my body back into shape I'm sure that's not healthy, but I'm like, look at this fat fuck in these photos. (laughs) I ate noodles noodles in fucking Thailand for a week straight. But do you remember what I said to you about, because we had not even been home for an hour and he was already beating himself up about how much bad stuff he ate on vacation and, and, and all the weight that he'd put on. And of course we'd just been flying for 24 hours. And so we were bloated. He had like ankles this big around. I went on a WebMD. I'm pregnant, by the way. (laughs) WebMD says I'm pregnant. I was nauseous. 
socks for you. Bloated. <laughs> yeah, I needed compression socks. I'm asking like this 80 year old guy for his tan socks. And like, so like, what? How do you? How do? Because like, ruminating is bad. You know, you're obsessive over the same negative thoughts over and over. But there, there must be a way to like use you know, self motivate from like what you're lacking from. Yeah, I think that I think it's not what you're saying or it's not what the failure is it's the why behind it or not what not what the conversation is that you're having with yourself it's the why so for example maybe you did a set that didn't go so great and the ruminating part of yourself go that just that really sucked and i didn't and you shame yourself to death the reflective more uh open growth mindset will look at that okay so what first of all and this is not pollyanna-ish you gotta start with what went well i got up the room was full like and like eight of my 10 jokes just landed so great. There was one that maybe didn't go so well, but if I just tweak it a little bit, it's going to be great next time. And there's one that I'm just going to leave that behind. So you can look at that one 10% failure that probably wasn't even a big failure. And you get to look at the data and look at the disasters. I always say there's data in the disasters. A rumination mindset would go, maybe did Eight great jokes, one mediocre, and one not good one. It would say the whole set, whole set sucked. Yeah, and that's not being truthful with yourself. No. Like I, another takeaway that I had from your book is just being like really honest. Like, sure, if something went bad, we can call that bad. But let's let's say the truth of the matter is that eight things went okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. just be really honest with yourself. Don't overdo it. Don't make up this big story about how it went. Be honest about yeah. how it went. But it's, again, it's that we tend to be black or white, good or bad, success or failure. That was a great set. That sex sucked. You know, we don't analyze it. Very to binary. Death. Yeah. It's either. And even even when you crush, you walk out of there, you have that moment. I mean, like when we got back from Thailand, you know, we're, we're on day three now. And I was like, what's next? What's like what's next is kind of like the thing we, that you had mentioned where you're always looking for. All right, we we fixed this. We got we got out of debt. Okay, now what? You know what I mean? We're engaged. Okay, this episode comes out. I think we've <laughs> we I think we'll have told our uh, siblings by then. We haven't told our siblings yet. Hey, how are you? <laughs> we'll make sure to let them know before this episode comes out. Uh, but like, yeah, you, and then what next? Yeah. And then it's always because in, in in today's culture we're on such a like micro success level where everybody's. It used to be like once a year you'd like share the big thing and. You know? It's like, well, what did you do today? What did you do Friday? Like, it's so, so, so. How do you use that? Know, know that that's out there because, like, you want to be happy and congratulatory to your friends and your your network, but also you want to like not hate yourself when everyone else is succeeding. Yeah. Well, I think again, it's like not using it others for comparison, which is so hard. You want to use them for motivation, not comparison. And it's just the human dynamic. We're a flawed individual. We're flawed human beings. We're doing the best that we can. And this thing is, it's having that acceptance. Like even if you catch yourself beating yourself up, go, oh, that, this is what helps me. If I, because like I wrote a book, I speak on it. I did a TEDx talk on it. And I still catch myself doing it. So now instead of beating myself, you should know better. Shame on you. Like who are you to be teaching this stuff? You can't even do it yourself. I go, oh, that's interesting. So I look at myself through a more, open-ended lens versus a judgment lens. I go, oh, that's interesting, Petra. Why, what, what just happened to make you go down that rabbit hole of rumination? Yeah, a yeah. questioning, an inquisitive, like non-judgmental. That. Patrick, we should write that down. That's interesting. <laughs> we should. That's good. Because that's a way to take yourself out of the reactionary kind of um, sort of limbic system that we've been installed with. We're just like hardwired so in such a stone age way. It's like, I got to go kill another deer. Well, this, I killed one today, but it's only going to last two days. I got to go kill another deer. And that's the same, but like, we just, we like, we, 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 that we don't think that far ahead. It's always just like, all right, well, okay, what's next? Right. 
That's interesting. <laughs> now, Natasha, she's now. Wh- where would you say? What's your number one thing? Like uh, way you'd want to detox your perfectionism? Like what's? Uh, yeah, go for it. So, Tasha, what? So let's uh, let's uh, have a therapy with Tasha right now. Therapy with Tasha. Um, like, what do you? What would you? If you could wave your wand around one thing that you're doing that's that's toxic that you know isn't helping you? Well, I think that I've gotten better at it, but I I know that I can get hung up. I'm afraid to take step one. I'm afraid to take baby step one because I am so hung up on the outcome of anything that I get started. You know, it's like I, I'm so busy looking at the big, the big picture, the end result, that I can't see the first step. Or I, I can see the first step, but I'm so overwhelmed by the 48 steps that are behind it that, yeah. you know, it's like, never mind. Are you looking at the big picture that thinking that it has to be, it has to be a win? Like, if I don't take the first step perfectly, I'm just not going to do it? Is it the end or the... Well, here's a simple example for, I would say, Tasha, right? You do a photo shoot, you'll get a, a thousand photos. You know you only need to post one. But then you look at that file list, you go, you go through three of them, and you go, fuck this shit. <laughs> and then you don't post anything, even though it's directly beneficial to your career. But so the photos are there, the goods are there, but I think it's, it's like you got to sift through the bullshit, and that bullshit, it's just, you're like, like today you had, a hard, you, you had a hard time this morning knowing you had quote unquote homework to do to get through the thousand bad photos and find the 12 good ones, right? Yeah, but I, I, that's, that's a little bit more manageable because it's just like I can see step one, sort through these 5,000 photos and pick out the ones that I like from each set. Step two, color correcting and editing. Step three, sending them off. Step four, posting. You know, like that. That's a little more simple. It's a when I'm undertaking a new project that I find myself just really overwhelmed by the amount of work that needs to be done and also by doing it right this is so good. So it's like back when doing something new. So for example, for me recently, it was like I learned how to DJ. So nice. you know what you want to do. I saw your setup, by the way. Your setup Thank looks you. super pro. Thank that you. was a really yeah, good setup. Yeah, yeah. I was like, not, you know, we're not messing around here. Yeah, you got the little... I'm, a, I'm a perfectionist, right? Yeah. Gotta have the perfect set. <laughs> um, but like, so you know what you want to do and you know you don't know how to do it. So that's the first thing. And that's where most people stop. Yeah, because I know what I want to do. I, I, but then we have to, that's when we build resilience. So then it's recognizing that because of the internet, with, you can learn how to do it. It's like, I know right now I have these skills. Look, you just went through the whole thing of what you do with photos. You know how to Photoshop, you color correct. I mean, that's an amazing talent. So when I came to DJing, I'm like, okay, I know what I want to do. I know I haven't a clue. I know I've learned things in the past. I know I care deeply about this. And I know I have people around me that could teach me how to do it. I feel for a lot of people, it's that gap. This is between the people that go for their dreams and the people that get stuck in their dreams. It's like when that gap between you know what you want to do and you know you don't know how to do it yet seems to be insurmountable. We mostly just give up. Yeah. But the only way we're going to that's it. And courage and confidence doesn't happen on a couch. It doesn't happen here. It happens in action. It happens through practice. Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly it. Um, sometimes I get so attached to knowing that this is the thing I want to do or this is the thing I want to share. That's That can be a hang up for me is because I don't want to share anything that isn't perfect. 
And so it's almost intimidating to get started on this passion project, that this thing that's so close to my heart, knowing that it's probably going to suck the first time. But that, so this is the whole thing going back to failure, right? Failure is just lessons in learning. Um, I, was it, was it, someone just said failure is oh, lessons in a bad suit or something. It was just really good. But so can you give me an example? Because your photo stuff is beautiful. You really have nailed that. Whether you think there's one bad photo up there. I, well, the example would be that yeah. for a year she didn't post a photo. That would be the example. But more like two it. or three years. But you've yeah. done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's just taken some letting go. But that's been a process for me. Some sort of letting go of the result. Some, it's the result. It's the result that's the hang up. You want it to be perfect. But once you realize it's never going to be perfect, you can just do the best you can and call it a day. That's actually where you find some freedom. That's huge. Like, I mean, the thing is, who's even deciding what perfect is anyway? That's the, that's the double-edged sword. Because you, by everybody else's standards, you could have the perfect picture. I mean, to me, it, it could be absolutely perfect, but it's when perfect's the basement. It's like, this isn't perfect enough. I mean, that in itself is like ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, who set, who set the bar? And you also bar? have to know that you're, you're letting down society, like the universe, when you're not sharing. Like, like I, I knew this uh, singer-songwriter, and she was friends with Billy Joel in New York, and, and, and she, she said he, he's, he, he refuses to write a new song because he can't follow Piano Man. Right. It's like, Billy Joel, no one wants you to follow Piano Man. Just write some new shit. You have fans that want to hear your new shit. And he's so crippled. I mean, I don't know him personally, but as, a, as an example of someone, he's so crippled that he, he's like, you sell out a stadium, but you can't write a new song. Come on, man. Yeah, I heard a great um, interview with Quincy Jones about Whitney Houston. And so I'm always trying to hit the high note. You're always trying to hit that high note. And he goes, and I think the trouble happens when we... We let the perceived critics, whether they're there or not, go to our hearts and the praise then go to our head. I just thought it's brilliant. And we're always trying to hit that high note, get the next golden ring. And that, again, is that difference between drive and then overstepping its boundaries. Where's the difference between wanting to do great work in the world, but never at the expense of our own joy? And I just think every day, every picture, every comic set, every DJ set, every book, it's just, uh, we're just here figuring it all out. And if there's some parts of our own figuring it out that can help someone else figure it out with a little less pain, then you share. Mm -hmm. whatever yeah. perfect is yeah absolutely and i'll tell you what's frustrating for me in a relationship is that i i i don't think i'm a perfectionist i mean if i post a bit and it's uh, good i'll post it and if i ever get it a better i'll delete the good one and i'll post a better one like you know what i mean like i'll just I'll, i want to put the, my best shit out there but you my my ruminating and all that that's i that's an issue but like being perfect no it's like i'm, I'm trying i'm already trying my hardest in comics we have no shame we fail all the time we're always bombing we're always trying new things but with tasha I'm frustrated because I'm going through the photos with her like, this is beautiful. Why didn't you post that? And it's like, you ever like look too close at something and you, you're not seeing the whole picture? Like she'll look, she knows which, which side of her face is better. And I'm like, I don't know that. I just know I think you're beautiful. And I'm not like some rare person who thinks that it's like hello come on so so i'm kind of like just post a dang thing and she's like ah but my leg line's weird and i'm like the photos on your eyes like what are we doing so i'm just like i don't i don't operate under that same mindset of perfection i i but you also just have a different eye than i do i have more of an artistic eye and so the total composition for me matters where you might think like something's good enough i'm like it doesn't really work 
I have to also ask, though, it's because you, I mean, this, this, I hope this doesn't come off very creepily, but you are so beautiful. And when you are, when you are kind of what you do, like you're your comedy, but right now a lot of you and your pictures is you. It's got to be hard to separate that, to get a, a wide lens when you're also using your creative eye mm-hmm. to set up the perfect shot, be in the shot. You know, I got to say out of all the, the jobs and the beautiful things we put out in the world, that has to be challenging. You, well, you're definitely right. It's something I have always um, sort of prided myself on not taking modeling too personally. A lot of people have asked me that. We've talked about it on the podcast. Like, how do you manage the rejection that comes in this business? Because there's a ton of it. You probably get rejected 90% of the time. But if you can make a living on that 10% of yes, then you're okay. Um, And so I've always been just naturally thick skinned with it. I don't know. I never took things too personally. I've never been too much um, of a of a person who compares myself to others, to my peers, that's all come naturally to to me. But as I'm getting a little older, I'm finding that it's hard to distinguish my identity from my job. And I know that modeling is not going to last forever. There's not very many 30 year olds that continue to make a a living modeling sure there's some there's a few I have some great friends they've got kids they do mommy modeling they do paper towel commercials whatever that would be a dream I would love to do that but you know you've got to be one of the lucky ones and who knows who knows how long this lasts um and so when I've been sort of trying to detangle my other thoughts my other interests think about other paths that I can pursue I've I've found myself with a bit of an identity crisis because for a long time, my identity has been my job. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think for us, even if we're not modeling, our job is often our identity, you know, even as a comic or I was a fitness person for many, many years. And once that goes away, I'm not on stage being a fitness celebrity. What does that mean about me? You know, once I'm not, if I'm not an author, if I'm not a speaker, if I'm not a DJ, what does that say about what's left? And I really think that is the journey, not to get too deep, but what this thing called life is about is just unraveling who we are without the labels. And it's not easy. And you mentioned in in the book that there were times when you would struggle with even going out to see your friends because you would have to then put on like a perfect identity yeah so like you wouldn't e- would you know you might not even go out or you're late or you're just not in present in the moment and i yeah. think everyone has that where it's like you're just like fuck it i'm just gonna stay in <laughs> i'm gonna go watch netflix, netflix. it's safe me and my netflix <laughs> yeah and you know no one ever this is the interesting thing about perfect in all my years even now and it's, it's interesting in the speaking world and I'll, I'll get really real with you guys because you know even in the speaking i'm on stage I'm sharing knowledge. I'm not, you know, but still, you know, you're on a stage and you have the big cameras, you're on the big screen. I'm like, oh my God, you know, my er in the book, I said, used to be, I need to be smarter. And now it's like, oh, if I was only just younger, if I only started this speaking thing 
10 years ago, DJing 10 years ago. There's always something that I don't like about myself that I will become my Achilles heel if I don't look at it through the lens of appreciation. So I go down that rabbit hole. No one has ever not booked me as a speaker because of my age. Yeah. Has ever even questioned that. And it's my own. Yes. Yeah. But it's right? almost like we'll always find something. Absolutely. We will always make something up because we can never just be happy, right? Even even if we did by some miracle take the perfect photo and find the perfect photo, you know the next day we're looking for another one right because we're never satisfied we never feel like we've made it we it's like oh it's like this constant pursuit of perfection but like for you 10 years ago you wouldn't have had the knowledge and experience to be the expert that you are that's something that you build over time but still we always find a way to self-sabotage that we're not good enough that we haven't made it and I think it's that interesting thing that you had just said is there's nothing wrong. And I think because I get a lot of pushback from especially female CEOs. Okay, you're telling me to let go of perfectionism. Well, what does that say about my job and my career? And my co-? I'm like, uh-uh, you're probably going to work harder than you ever have before. But it's not at the expense of your own joy. So it's still having that drive, still looking for that beautiful picture but it doesn't mean that the picture you took yesterday or the talk I did last week or the set you did Dave a couple of weeks it doesn't negate everything that we've done to get to this point look and I can speak it as though you know I always say meet yourself believe it to be true and meet yourself there and then there I have days when I live it really well and and there's the joy it's like oh my god I love this because I'm doing it off service to other people and helping them get to the this part of their life a lot faster and there's days when I can get to the end of my day going I can't believe you just wasted hours looking at your neck, looking at your, you know, blah, 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 all the stuff I, but that's my, that's my. Now that, but age is something everyone can relate to with the fact that we're all on the same trajectory. And that's, and not, and and it's, so it's, that's the common denominator is we, everyone's career or, or uh, not even career, but if you don't have to make money doing it, but if people take joy doing certain things and they started it too late, they might not have, a, I don't know, a group that's they can identify with that's in the same sort of age range. And and that's something that we, you know, you can ruminate over the fact that, yeah, like it does make, like if you started, Dave Chappelle started stand up at 14. He's uh, famous by 19. You know what I mean? Like mm. there are plenty of examples of people because of the tipping point that got into whatever they like, found their passion early. Yeah. Now, like you said, you can't change it. So why ruminate over it? Is there any way to to use? I mean, as a speaker, the advantage is no one wants to hear a twenty five year old, uh, you know, anybody talk about right. being an expert on anything. Yeah, no well, one having figured it all out because that's just n- <laughs> none of us have. Let me tell you, sister, <laughs> about figuring it out. But that's a great question. So, for example, the DJing thing. So, there's two things. Most people think that's a guy's a guy sport, and it's or a young or a girl. young girl. So I'm like, I could look at it like oh, I started this too late, or I can look at it. How awesome that I l- began to learn this, and I'm going to master this at this. It's cool. At this age, it's cool. And here's the interesting thing: I've I've played two live big events already, and everyone came up to the end, all age groups from 20s, 30s, 40s. I had no idea that millennials love Backstreet Boys. I'm like, I had no idea. <laughs> Throw I was like, back because my mom's here. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I won't ask you why you know this, but. So, and they came up to after going, I just loved your playlist. So here's the gap for me. I'm like, I love to dance. I love music. It moves me out of my head into my heart. I don't want to go out dancing at midnight. So there's a gap. There's a 
millions of other people around this country that also love to dance, love great music. And want to be tucked in bed by I 10. Tucked <laughs> by 10. <laughs> so guess who's going to start? You know, well, I, um, yeah. I heard it today, actually, they said instead of nightclub, it's going to be called light club. <laughs> that's my new thing. Oh, nice. It's going to be the light club. Tash will you be come. there. <laughs> Dude, that's exactly my jam. That's right. my sweet spot. Yeah, you come, you dance your ass off in your bed by 10. And it's around joy and it's great music. So we can, I can either focus on you, you started too late or like, I started later. Isn't that a great story in itself? How can I spin that into the gap and keep serving it forward? Getting or more joy in other people's lives. You started at just the perfect time. I try to remind myself and lots of people think it's foo-foo, but I try to remind myself that it, like everything is designed for just right just right for me you know it might not be exactly what I wanted but it, if something comes to me at a different time in my life it was because that was the only time it was gonna work out for where me where did you get that lesson because that's a very old soul lesson well we've been reading a book uh Which what's one? it called Marianne's what's uh, it the called? law of divine uh, compensation uh, divine compensation Marianne Williamson yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah and that's one of the first lessons in her book and you know it is it's something that I've known for a long time heard for a long time but to read it again I was like oh yeah that's right. It's a, it's a, one of the number one principles of like law of attraction is just to like, you know, that everything w will be. I feel like it's something my grandma said, you yeah. know, like uh, uh, is it a biblical quote? I don't know. But it's like all in its own time. Yeah. That's so awesome. It's like, and when the student's ready, the teacher will show up. And it's, and it's there, stuff we've yes. heard for years, but you heard it again at the right time. This morning, I went to Agape, uh, Dr. Michael Beckwith, who wrote Law of Attraction, very similar. And it's stuff that I know, but I just needed that reminder that there is nothing to be fixed. We're all perfect. It's just remembering. It's not, it's not learning. It's actually remembering all that we are. Uh -huh. and, Almost know. like something that was like deep within our soul. It's like a universal truth that like we we were born with this but knowledge, but we've forgotten it. It's been suppressed as we went from children to teenagers to adults and thought that the way we were wasn't right. And you said that earlier mm -hmm. in the conversation as, teen, as kids, we don't question, we don't have the shame. And again, it's so it's returning to that beautiful space in us, not to get too woo, -woo but it gosh, if we can live from that space and still be driven and still want to be excellent and still want to post beautiful things on social and do great sets and play, play great DJ well, sets, but still never forget that by getting better doesn't mean that who we were at the lesser, less perfect person, it doesn't mean that we're any less. So it's separating who we are from what we do. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, separating who we are from what we do. It's almost like we as a society need to redefine success because we were talking about what did what question did you ask about, you know, like uh, starting something too late or we are passionate, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't remember. But uh, why does it have to be that we need to make money at our passion in order to feel successful at it or that like, you know, uh, it's the fact that, and I, I hit people hard with this because it really pisses me off. I, I hit people hard when I talk to them about how, like, how they put their own sort of shame on you when you're like, um, sort of in the in this in a, in any creative industry because the money comes after this the success normally. So like, you you got to write the screenplay before you can sell it, and no one believes in the screenplay until it's on the 
in a movie. Like no one understands the whole like, wow, oh, but I registered it at the Writers Guild. They're like, yeah, cool, but like, is it on Amazon? What's the, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people that aren't trying something creative don't understand that like th- that the whole pay system is kind of backwards. But even you, would you feel? that success in your heart if you never make a dime off of it i felt super pumped when i hit like like when i when i hit the final i cried i I shed a tear on my screenplay when i finished the rough draft fuck yeah so like i can i'm i'm over that whole shame shit but people still still get it in your way and you got to like ah it's it's like it's like i don't have to smoke for a a smoker to blow it in my face i'm still like get the fuck out of (laughs) here and we have to like you know, like, like we have to keep that energy orb, like that quilt, that cloak around us. But I like, think even you yourself are guilty of the next day. You're like, oh, my friend hasn't gotten back to me with the edits yet. Oh, my gosh. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, You're yeah, still yeah. thinking next step. I'm still going to sell the shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm <laughs> but not that's, But that's exactly it, is that maybe we need to redefine success as just like doing this creative thing that makes us happy or whatever it is that makes us happy. If we're doing something that's... um like entertaining our minds if we're doing something that we feel like has a higher purpose does it have to make us money in order for us to feel like it's been a success i think there's two great questions there i think the success of actually showing up that to me is a win like my definition of failure these days is not trying it's not starting i'm going to give it a shot that to me is the worst sense of failure and because i think to that shame thing i can't and also I'm British, Uh, there is sometimes shame around the idea that you can make money from doing something that you love. It's like it's either you work yourself to a death and you work for the man and that's where you make your money or how is it possible that you can actually do something that you love and make really good money and help change people's lives at the same time. So I've had a big struggle with being of service and doing great work, but also exchanging money for this. Yeah. I've actually had to have this talk with Dave many times, I feel like, because I think that he has sort of like a blockage, like a uh, a sort of regressive money mindset. Somebody will do it for free. That's the thing. No, no, no. But you have this regressive money mindset that you have to work hard to make money. And I'm not saying like you don't have to work hard. I'm saying like it doesn't have to be hard work like uh, gross work crappy work work yourself to the bone you don't have to work 60 hours a week busting your back throwing concrete whatever to make money it doesn't have to be that hard money can come easily it's about changing like your frame of mind that you deserve to make money for this thing and that I, be- you're and I believe about. you and i need to but the limitation i would res- respond with is that well that must be nice coming from a professional model that must be nice that you were ready so i you know but i but i agree with you so that the the, the the limitation i was using and ruminating over was that like you gotta do this for 15 years you got it because that's what everyone says but does it doesn't mean there aren't other successes along the well, way and haven't there also been people who have been overnight successes sure i would yeah. say that most people i like to remind people that an overnight success is you know comes after 10 years of hard work but there are like lightning does strike miracles do happen somebody wins the lottery and why can't that be you yes and i think because i also come from a money like like a very um not the growth mindset when it comes to money i have a pretty great mindset but when it comes to money 
is a bit fixed. It's a lot because I grew up with no money. Money was never talked about in our family. It was always a struggle because my dad drank a lot. So he drank our money away. Can so I ask yes, you another question? Please. You come from a religious family? No. Because I had a very interesting conversation with someone recently about there's a Bible verse that most people would recite as um, money is the root of all evil. Oh, right. I, right? Yeah, well, yeah. It's very it's very common. Lots of people will say money is the root of all evil. Yeah. And so they have this idea that like having money is a bad thing. Having money is evil. They see rich people and they think these rich people must be evil, right? But the actual Bible verse is the lo- love of money is the root of all evil. So it's like money itself is not evil, uh, loving money above all else is evil. And I thought that was so interesting because I do come from a very religious household and I had to definitely overcome this sort of mindset that money is dirty and gross. And I feel like I've done a better job. I mean, I don't have it all figured out, let's be honest, but I, I found it, I don't know. I, I've, I've really enjoyed sort of um, reflecting on my money mindset. What helped me is I, I was interviewing someone recently. He goes, money's just energy. It's an exchange of energy for what you're giving. And the more you can get, the more you can give out and do good. And he said, it's just, it's, just, it's when you hold onto it too tightly, that's when it causes problems. And I love that idea. Like I can, okay, I can see this as a wheel of positive energy. Mm-hmm. I earn good money for the work that we work so hard to do. And then I don't hold it too tightly. I can give it back into the world in, you know, still also take care of myself. Yeah. Uh, and that but don't it grasp it too tightly exactly. because that's a blockage yeah. of energy. That's, a, that's like, yeah. Yeah. your uh, manifestation yes and I'm not sure if I heard this right Dave but like also in the fitness world it's like well someone else will do this for free like when we're especially you'll get in the early stages it's like DJing like I'm learning my I'm earning my hours I got paid for two big gigs I'm also going to DJ for free at the beginning until I've earned my but you can't do that forever and in the fitness world a lot of people do free for a long time so even 10 years into my career I would say this is my this is my fee because I had earned my fee at that point and they said well we can get someone else for free so well, I'll, so then do that. For free. Yeah. yeah, you have to be comfortable with letting yeah. it go. You have to be comfortable with saying no. I say this over and over again. Um because I, it's the same with modeling, right? There's oh, it, always someone younger. There's always is, someone right? yeah. fresher and greener that will work a full day, three hours away with no hotel for 300 bucks minus agency fee. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just... But you'll, all- you'll do a free shoot if it benefits you. So you have to you have to know, like, you might... Maybe you'll do an event that's, like, something you really want to do. I don't know, like, how that world works. But if there's, like, say, no, say nobody's making money giving speeches, but everyone's getting together at some, like, big event, maybe it would work for you. Yeah, totally. But you when have you to know have someone else... Perspective. And you know, someone else is making money off of you. Like, like, well, uh, we'll, we do bar shows for free all the time. But if you find out they're passing around a tip jar and it's all going to the producer of the show, we're like, we know, like, throw us our fair share. Like, you get, you start, you start to know your self worth in that way. But also, it's still like you still got to. No one's going to give you the advance to write the screenplay. You know, like so you still have to like prove yourself and show up, but then know that what you, well, like what you're. But worth I think is. once you've done all that hard work, once you have the experience, once you know what you're worth, you have to be comfortable saying, "This is my rate." So growing up in a in a poor or a or a, you know, a poor household, I, I was kind of the same way. A single mom, and it was kind of like, yeah, money would be tight. And even if they don't tell you that as a kid, you kind of you just know. Yeah. How do you get rid of those imprints? Like, how do you, how do you, like, how do you kind of because if or is it those imprints that make that make you that made you a perfectionist? 
Great question. I think with money, it wasn't necessarily that. The thing that made me a perfectionist from my past, now looking back, was because our household was such a, a mess. My mom, bless her, you know, rest in peace. But she was working three jobs to keep a roof over our house. So at, growing up, I thought we were the only kid on the street that had an alcoholic dad. Go back 20 years later, every dad was a drunk, you know, because we were at the pub and that's what they did in England. You said Liverpool, right? Near Liverpool, yeah. yeah. So that sounds like a drinking place. It was. It was a drinking place. <laughs> I don't know England do well, but that sounds like oh, a good yeah. place Drinking in soccer, or yeah. football, the real football. I won't get into that. Um, but we, you know, you drank a lot. And so because it was so chaotic behind the scenes, and I thought ever, at a young age, you thought everyone else's family was perfect. Mm-hmm. So I tried to be the perfect kid to make up for the mess that I felt was behind the scenes. Oh, but you guys are so much alike. You really are. Talk, you, you, you guys have so much in common, I think, with like the, the, the need to pres- present perfection. Or like that, that that drive to like make the, if you're you're if your inner world's a little chaotic to make everything you you can surround yourself with. Yeah, totally. Life. It's a uh, they talk about that with like eating disorders too. Like when you're when you feel like everything is out of your control, you focus on the only things you can control. And for me, having a made bed every morning is something I can control. You know, like uh, picking up around the house that's something I can control. When everything else feels out of my control. So let me ask you this, Petra. If one of us is a control freak, <laughs> how would that person uh, use the perfection detox to not to 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 maintain that sort of level of control without becoming obsessive over it, over it? So I think the first question is lovingly to ask with <laughs> appreciative inquiry: Is what's your definition of a control freak, and what is Tasha's definition? You know, because what is controlling and what is keeping a nice house per se? What oh. is con- so? I think again, it's kind of so. I'm just having a thought. It's kind of like that drive where does it oh where does the idea of control overstep its boundaries where does it cause pain in a relationship where does it cause pain for yourself like i love a clean dish i don't know why i won't go to bed with dishes in the sink drives me nuts yeah and i live by myself now i have for many years but when i was in a relationship that was the only thing i believe i'm sure this is not he would tell you something different <laughs> i really felt that was the only thing i really asked of him please can we just not have dishes in the sink and oftentimes there were dishes in the sink and I would go cra- I mean, crazy, <laughs> like psycho crazy because it really wasn't about the dishes. It was like I had asked for one thing that I felt was you Important. showing up for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it you was can control yourself, you know, yeah. if, if you have like a, a, an off day or something, you can like, you can sort of manage that in your own head. But when yeah. it's somebody else, it's like now you can only baby them for so long. I think when it comes to relationships, and I think it's important to figure out the areas of compromise in yourself um, that you can give without losing yourself. And then the areas that the other person may need to just say, okay, this is, I know this is what you love to do I can meet you there I can meet you there and it's not it's going to be give and take I think throughout the entire relationship yeah one thing this is I if we can talk about it real quickly in relationships a perfectionist it does not work well because (laughs) uh well for many reasons the way perfection showed up for me in my romantic relationship I wanted to be the perfect partner so I never asked for anything I just gave 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 because growing up I thought to have needs meant you were needy and that's not, that's not perfect. That's not a perfect partner. That's like, I have needs. So You're the giving tree. I you was, end up with I nothing. I was the giving tree. And I learned a lot from my last relationship because he was really good at taking. But I, but try, I was trying to be the perfect girlfriend, the perfect partner. So 
And what happened is I ended up hurting myself so much without even realizing it till it blew up. So and it happens slowly over time. Bitterness. Then you lose touch with yourself. You build this resentment. And then all of a sudden you're looking in the mirror like, who am I? Yeah. Well, Petra, you're blowing my mind because I don't need everything to be perfect visually around the house. But I think my co- codependency is like wanting a perfect relationship and not necessarily like perfect for the outside world to see. I don't really care about that. I don't have a problem. Like if we have a, just dis- need to have a discussion in public or like, I don't, that's not my problem, but yeah, I'll, I'll kind of give in, giving tree it to the point of where I'm like, my needs don't matter as long as we kind of are happy. Um, they just got engaged. So I'm not a therapist, but what I would say, I think what makes great relationships, and you guys seem to have such an awesome relationship, um, it's just not going to bed. I mean, everyone says this, right? Don't go to bed angry. But I think also don't go to bed with unexpressed needs, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, this is how I feel. For five years, I never really shared with my partner how I felt because I didn't want to rock the boat. And it doesn't work well for either partner. You yeah, know? It's, it doesn't. Yeah. And it's not going to get any easier over time. I think we've done a good job. We of have, but there are times when, you know, we had, we had a guest on. Um, actually, did we even air that episode yet? I don't even know. But we had a guest on who said they always just t- have an agreement with their partner that they tell the par- their partner exactly how they feel. And I tried that once, and we kind of tried it like the same night of the thing. I was like, "Michael said you got to say over," and we agreed on there. And then I did it, and then you got defensive, and I could like watch your face turn. And I'm not putting you on the spot now. I'm just saying, just so you know, Tasha, I still struggle with telling you how I really feel. I uh, still well, bite my tongue all the time, <laughs> so, just so you know. But I give you credit because you've also you've also communicated to me what you need to make the house feel good and all that. And I'm just, I'm like, Petra, I'm a shit talker, right? So if she goes, I need a clean house, I go, well, your car is disgusting. You know what I mean? So I'm like, so I'm, you never washed your car. I always wash Tasha's car. You know, to Petra. We literally just got it washed yesterday. I washed <laughs> it. I washed it. And, but I don't care. I don't mind that. But I, I told I, you I, we were going through the drive-thru. It was my I, idea. I like, I like washing it. But, but then we. T- t- they're t- smiling, by the way, people. If you're yeah, no, no, they, I know, I know. They're, they're, they're in at this point. If you're new and you can't handle it, get out the kitchen. But, but then like, you know, we met outside where I was carrying laundry i'm gonna go do the laundry like there's things that 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 like that mean that i value but then also like if the remote control doesn't end up where it needs to go that doesn't bother me so it's like we just need to know each other's thing because it's not it's just not the same well and yours and isn't better or worse than what no what but you stopped on me with a criticism when i was trying to give us a compliment um and said that like you tried to do that thing where we're just gonna say it or whatever but you've got also got to be um know that there's a time and a place and maybe this wasn't the ideal situation when there's like more important things going on. Yeah, right. To just be stomping in with your, I don't even remember what you were talking it, about. Me but it's not, but the it, point of the moral of the story is that we've done a really good job at improving our communication. I mean, we've been dating for five years. In the beginning, we had a really uh, we didn't rough even know what we were fighting time about. of it. We were we just had. not good communicators. <laughs> I don't come from a family of good communicators. This is something I had to teach myself. And I think this is, I really think this is what the beautiful thing, look, it's easy for me to be like, it's easy to, be happy when you're single. It's easy to practice recovering perfectionism when you're single. I think that's what the beauty of relationships is. It really is about uncovering who we are. And it didn't hit me until what I thought was my forever relationship really blew up badly. And it's because I hadn't learned the lesson yet of codependency. I kept showing up. That hurt me so heavily. It shook me to my core that it 
it's now I'm like, I've never been so sure about who I am, but I had to learn it in a relationship. Did the yeah. lesson, did you learn the lesson on the way out or did it hit you after like the dust had settled? Oh, there was no dust settling. I was already out when the, <laughs> the dust was settling. No, it was, it was, it hit me. And then when I actually went to therapy to recover from this, because it was so devastating to me. Um, I just share with you, your audience. It's so funny because I thought I'd got over codependency. I have every single book on codependency. <laughs> there was. I thought I'd done that. Codependence no more. Yeah, I thought I'd done it perfectly, right? And my very first session, it was meant to end at 12 o'clock. And he talked about codependency. I said, oh, no, no, I've worked through all that. I'm good. And I got 12.05. I'm telling my therapist, oh, by the way, you know, you know, you've gone over time. He goes, oh, Petra, I can manage my own time. <laughs> and he goes, you're not codependent. I went, Oh, that's codependency. <laughs> Snap. Okay, I guess we have some work to do. Um, but one of my favorite books is The Five Love Languages. Oh, yeah. I think that, to me... We got them written down on the things. Not You know, we've got the acts of service, the, the you know... Tasha, Tasha, I mean, Tasha, Tasha wants Words all of them. Words of affirmation. I like this one. I like that one. It's like just a buffet of sweets. No, I would say have a top three. Yeah. But you, you learn, you know what your top one is, what you need, and then, but sometimes it's tricky because sometimes you don't need the other things, but like they make you happy. My biggest lesson with the five love languages was realizing that like the things, my bottom two, I would, and of course they're his top two. <laughs> I don't even know how to give that kind of love because it is so foreign to me. I would never, you know, um, words of affirmation, not a thing come from a family of very poor communicators. Words of affirmation were never something that were really and said that, yeah, in that my household. That must be huge for you as a fitness expert, right? That must be huge. Words of affirmation. You're out there, get it, Jenny. You know, you're, <laughs> right? It's so interesting. It's like, I didn't know what I was doing as a fitness instructor. Like people come to the end of my class going, you make me feel like I can do anything because I was teaching wow. to their hearts. I never said, you know, your biceps look amazing. You know, get that six pack. My words of affirmation Actually, you're right. They were always to the heart. Like, thank you for showing up today. You're trying so hard. I really appreciate it. And so what I was speaking was like growth mindset. I was teaching inspiration without even realizing it. But again, like you said, isn't that a beautiful lesson though, Tasha? That's why we're in relationship. That's how you're going to learn. Words and a relationship really holds a mirror up to your oh, flaws. Tell me about it. It, yeah. it does. And all you can really do, and that's what the beauty of the love languages is, is go, okay, if I need words of affirmation, I in in Tashini's quality time, I have to respect the only problem with that is words of affirmation is so much easier than quality time. You just need to send me a tweet once a week. Quality time's a trip to Thailand. You know what I mean? <laughs> so for me, it's like like a photo when I post it. <laughs> and to her, it's like I gotta go to the other side of, you know, Southeast Asia. But but the truth is, is that all right, you value quality time at the level I value affirmation. So quality time's not on my list. There's never been once where I haven't you know what I mean? I can go away and we still be good. Like, that's just not what's important to me. But I have to realize that that's the thing. And, yeah, and, and, and you learned to speak that language just like I learned Greek, learning to speak affirmations. It's like really not second in nature for me, you know? But if you, if you like, like put in your phone book that every day at 3 p.m. or you scrambled it, <laughs> so every day at a random time, you shot me a text. I mean, I have screen grabs of some of the most important uh, kind of things Tasha said to me mm. and it's you know what I mean it's like and it, would it get sick if it was every day I don't think so I don't think so it's like Let's wait, one, try. I'm one, gonna do it five <laughs> days in a row every day at 3 p.m. and you're gonna but here's what I can do is I can sniff out bullshit so if I say if I meet someone I go you have nice eyes and they go you have nice eyes too it's like what well, that was weird you know you just reciprocated that doesn't mean anything to me but if someone's like your, your joke writing was so 
good. I'd be like, oh, awesome. Thank you. That's specific. So like for me, it's like, give me something specific, but I'm not needy in the sense that I'm like, oh, woe is me. It's just, I, I want Tasha to know when I'm out there working hard that she understands it and i and i know that through affirmations i know that she's like babe i know know you're working really hard and it's all gonna pay off like that means more to me than like you know hey babe nice tush but that's fine too (laughs) that's but that's just not that's not attached to my value system like so much like but it you know if tasha was like oh wow your arms look good i'd be like cool thank you that's that's something (laughs) that's just not as that's not super super big but that's something that's like a it's like a night a date night you know what i mean it's not a trip to thailand that's a date night just your arms look nice but this to me is actually uh, an example example of a perfect relationship because there's good and bad there's give and take there's this and that we're there but we're not there yet we're learning but we still have gaps where that is what to me a perfect relation is i think the moment you have a relation that looks like the photoshop version you should be really concerned because our humanness is the ups and downs the wins and and that's how i think we actually become more perfect by being in these what might feel like imperfect moments at the time more with a partner and authentic that's and, and that's to do the- that in relationship i think that is so courageous and wonderful and oh, that's thank why you. we're here but that's why we podcast because it's it's a safe place for us to talk about, you know, bring up a grievance, but also know that like, we're going to get to the bottom of it. Like we, I never want there to be an avalanche over, like I never want, I never want to not give Tasha quality time to the point where she just blows up on me. I'm just kind of like, I have to see, I have to like pinch and poke and then see how she reacts to things. You so never like, want to get to the place of resentment. Yeah. That to me is once you've crossed that or lost respect because they haven't listened to you, that's the, we had a that's fight the in the last month that was like, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm take all the intelligence that I think I have. It took me seven or eight days to know what she was actually mad about. I just attached myself to something else I thought she was mad at. And I was like, that's what she's mad at. And I couldn't fix it. turns out it was something completely different. It was something completely different, right? You wanted to go to this jeweler. She wanted to go to this jeweler event. And I thought it was something else that she was mad at. And then she was mad at me for a long time that I didn't like want to, that I didn't end up going. And don't get, don't get me wrong. She gave me the hints. You told me flat out you wanted to go to this thing. I was working. I could have swung it. But anyway, a month later, we end up going to the same jeweler. And I, I figured out that that's what she was mad about. And we, and, and we kind of you know patched it up. And then we went to the same jeweler. And they, the jeweler didn't have the diamond that Tasha was interested in at the event in the first place. I, I still should have gone with you, but it kind of worked itself. We, we learned a lesson by, it took a week, but we learned a lesson through a fight to like, you know, just keep on communicating better and know that we don't have our shit together. And then when it came time to actually meet the jeweler, she was like, oh yeah, I didn't even have this ring yet. And it's the one that we ended up getting. Ah, is that why you started the podcast? Was it really for this? I'm just curious. It was, it was started, I'll just quick answer. Yeah. It was started with me and another co-host and she bailed like probably 40 episodes in. And, and at that time, Tasha and I weren't even dating. And oh, Tasha okay. became like a regular sort of guest and we would just kind of have like really good convos and then and then it becomes something like let's just do it together and then that way we can talk about the thing we're trying to build through our own failures while we kind of talk about other people but it's true that the podcast is it's couples therapy i mean it really is it's It's such a great place for us to like work out the kinks in our relationship in a sort of non-judgmental format and then also just like therapy you have to sort of keep it together you can't like scream and rage and stomp off because you've got people people listening or you've got a therapist listening you know that you you're really trying to be honest be open be communicative 
Yeah, Tasha doesn't know this, but I, I, I air my grievances about 20 minutes in. That way, by the end of the podcast, it's kind of already been kicked to the back. <laughs> you never want to air your grievance at the end right of the, the podcast. Like, oh, on time. No, okay. I make sure we end on a high or note. Or right at the beginning. Yeah. But can I just say something? This is really important because I, this is so interesting to me because I looked at your... Of course, you know, we go into social and we look at everyone. I was like, I hear the freaking perfect couple. They're gorgeous. They look. They got a podcast together. And I kind of had this little like... Not envy, but it's like, that's kind of what I'd hope my relationship would be because he was a little bit in the public eye. And I thought, we could work together. So it's kind of nice not to say that you also have problems. <laughs> but, but everybody has problems. All, and this is why I think the perfection detox, and this is why I think your show is so powerful because you've got two people that on social look pretty darn perfect, but you're also showing truly with authenticity yeah, we just what shut it down story? real quick. We shut it. That, thank you, by the way. That's oh, very yeah, nice. Thank but you. we shut it down real quick when when someone's like, "Oh, you guys are this and that." It's like, do you not hear my stand up? We I'm always talking about things that are kind of struggles or you know trying to punch down, not up. Like I'm never trying to like just make fun of Tasha. I'm no. always trying to talk about my own insecurities, my own codependency, my own issues. But like like you had mentioned earlier, and we'll circle it back together because we're just at an hour. Okay. Is what you had mentioned earlier is that you knowing what your like your expertise is and and using it. And you in like learning how to use that towards like what giving it as a gift. Y- well, but yeah, in, in 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 the gift is through your creativity, through your presenting, your lecture, you know, all that. And and I think even a bit of codependency can be a good thing because absolutely, there's a lot of good stuff that comes with it. I too. always tell Tasha like, yeah, I can I can take my codependency codependency to a bad place. I can and in the early parts of the relationship, I did because she's kind of counterdependent. So whenever we would fight, she'd be in the, she'd walk away, and I'd be like, no, 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 we need to solve this to the point where like it would be so insulting. And it still is insulting to me when Tasha like will throw the covers over your head. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you kidding me right now? I need to solve this now. And then what I've had to realize is I need to walk the dog and get and let because they're saying it's just not going to work this way. Yeah, it's not going to work. So like my, my own neediness, it needs to like stop and know that she's not throwing the covers over her head because she's never going to talk to me again. She's just doing it because she just needs to have. Well, this I have moment. my own timeline. Yeah, of and processing. I think, I think however far I am on one side with codependency, you're. Th- that way on the other side i mean like but we've we've both really come good come close to meeting ourselves in the middle with it all but like we've never had a fight where where i'm like tasha stop talking to me it's never (laughs) once not gonna happen but i think with anything right with with drive with desire with codependency there's also good parts of it there's empathy there's caring there's wanting to lean into a relationship but again with all of this your drive perfection it can never be at the expense of your own happiness so again where does codependency perfectionism drive overstep its boundaries and and like you had mentioned with with perfectionism in social media world it's like it's a perfect time for people to read your book i mean i've already got i've already a handful of people that have bought your book they before just just about us talking about the podcast so now with us actually talking to you i'm sure you're, you're, you're a bestseller this we week. We need to do a part two, though, for sure. Oh, no, no, no. We, we're definitely going to keep talking about it. It's, yeah, I finally got, you know, we're, we're working. At, Tasha's got 17 different bookmarks in here. Now. We're, I'm uh, coming back in November to L.A., oh, so I could invite please. myself back. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't be quite so hot, so I'm not sweating on the live Oh, my screen. gosh. I'm sorry about no, the please. heat in here. But what I, what I did want to say is that while perfection, your perfectionism can be kind of overdone because of social media, like, I can I can run away with my codependency. We can all it's 
looking back, like the tri- I always look back at like tribally who we were. Like if you weren't codependent, like if Tasha got in a fight with the clan and she's fucking out, well, you got eaten by a saber toothed tiger. Like you're done. That wouldn't have worked. Like you, you know what I mean? Like there, there's there's this glue that sticks us all together, and it's unfortunate that like in today's world, we're, it, we're, we were never meant to deal with the internet. We were never meant to deal. With, yeah, thousands of years never had to deal with what we learned in 2002. You know what I mean? We finally get the you know AOL CD. CD ROMs in the mail, <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden we're all supposed to learn how to deal with each other. And like last That's night, fast. or or you know in Thailand, we're in Thailand and I'm arguing with someone online. And I'm going, and then I respond to that and I go, I'm on a remote island in Thailand with my fiance. <laughs> talking to you this one's on me this is my bad i gotta go and i just never talk to this guy again but it's like it has to, we have to remind ourselves that when we're going down that path and 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 honestly us reading that chapter on ruminating i think was the first step to, for us to just shed light on how toxic it can be to like over obsess so thank you so much for You're writing welcome. this book You're we really appreciate really. it thank so you come back on in november please i, I know to. someone's gonna write in and say way to make that about you guys dave yeah because you say you're 100 percent. You she didn't a, get to give us any advice at all you were just talking about no, i was saying she made it about <laughs> we made it about us i'm not taking full credit for that self-absorption tasha you're in it with me you're in it with me we're talking you about, me i'm like yay even these two beautiful couple they argue yes okay <laughs> we pick and we got to pick and choose our fights but uh but anyway uh thanks again and anything uh what, what's coming up for you what's next um, speaking, um, debating whether I'm going to go around the world next year and write my next book and really fine tune my DJing skills. I mean, I want to learn how to scratch on vinyl still learn. I want, so for me, basically quickly, which is nothing quick with when I start speaking, I want to interweave DJing into my keynotes next year. Wow. That's And cool. do a whole story. Like everything I learned about entrepreneurship, leadership, I learned from DJing. And it's where digital meets history, right? Everything digital, the internet was built on the vinyl. So how can we, it's never one or the other. It's the culture and the history with the wisdom and then the digital, emotional and digital intelligence that makes this world tick. I love it. I thank you so much for, for stopping by and talking to all of us. And again, everyone listening, what's your Instagram? Where can people find it's you? It's just Petra Kolber, P-E-T-R-A-K-O-L-B-E-R. Keep on posting more DJing stuff because I thought that was so cool. Thank I watched you. It. Oh, that's fucking, she's rad. This is awesome. Will you sign our book? Of course. Awesome. Well, Woo! let's let's end on that note. Thank you so much for coming over, everyone. Petra Kolber, thank Tasha Gorney, I'm Dave Neal. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. That's it, folks. What did you think? Did you love it? Right in sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com let me know let me know what's going on with your life if you listen to more than a few episodes I always say what four or five if you listen for over a month you listen to a couple hours of us rambling on about our lives we want to hear about yours let me know what's going on what's the goods what's the bads what are you hung up on what are your red flags what are you fucking what are you loving let us know, sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com. And as always, guys, if you love us and you want to support us, money goes straight into our pockets. Uh, we're trying to build a new studio empire. We really appreciate it if you join the Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash thesap, patreon.com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. I'll put that link in the description. And if, uh, if, they, if it ain't in the funds, no worries. You can just screen grab what you're listening to now. Tag us, tag a friend, share it with your friends, post it online. We appreciate it any and all support you guys have if you found value in what we offer. And you guys, I really hope you enjoyed our chat with Petra and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye everybody.